I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hi, welcome to My Good Bad Brain. It's a podcast about mental health and being a person. Today's a brain, this is a brain breather where I'm just going to talk uh, for a while about stuff I'm going through and uh, you'll uh, like it or not like it or feeling different or whatever. Um, that's fine. That's all cool. If you like it though and you feel like you want to uh, support it, go to patreon.com slash mygoodbadbrain because that money, uh, hey, that shit rips, you know? That's fucking cool and helps me pay bills and record this and hopefully start uh, turning them out, <laughs> keeping it regular, you know? Uh, yeah, thanks. All right. Well, here's the theme song. Be well. Welcome to my good bad brain. I'm a normal person, so I'm insane. I've got depression and ADHD, but I'm doing better since I medicated me. I'm still not always sure whether I exist or what being a person even really is, but I figured out a long time ago that being alive is Hi. How are you all? This is my good bad brain. This is gonna be a little brain breather. Probably double drop some stuff on you this week because of my MIA-ness, because of my tendency, it seems, to do this every other week thing. <sighs> this is gonna be a little bit of a methodical one, I think. Sometimes brain breathers are hyped up. I have something to say or something going on. Sometimes I don't, and you really are <laughs> engaged with, I guess, the facet of this whole project, which is um, me openly uh, expressing and, and presenting my struggles with my good, bad brain, you know offering that up as something you can take or leave and say I'm like that or I'm not like that or this guy's fucking whiny and useless or oh that, that's helpful to hear someone else feel that way or whatever you know I was thinking about like I mean I always think about why the fuck I do this if I do this when I fucking slack off on it and all these things <laughs> like anybody who's listened to this consistently I'll probably recognize a pattern here and the subject matter, and then, you know, when I'm slow on it and slow to post and all these things, it's usually because I'm avoiding it and 
I feel like I don't have anything to say or worth saying or <sighs> it just it expands. I it, it, you feel like why should I be doing fucking anything basically? What am I doing? What am I good at? And what am I good at? It's like it's not like it's not like what's the point? It's the what's the point thing, you know? It's a depressive episode a little bit. A little bit, a lot of it. I don't know. Or it's like me responding to chaos differently than I used to. I don't know. So this becomes the diary shit. This becomes a little bit of the, hey, here's things I'm going through. And here's how I'm coping and mistakes I may be making or successes I may be having. And I think I'll probably address some questions. And I think it'll be interesting to hear some of these. I, I asked for, you know, invited people to offer, you know, topics to talk about or might, they might be interested in the the good bad brain take on them and uh you know i picked some ones today that are tough that are ones i don't have answers to and that i'm struggling with also and i thought maybe there'd be something valuable in that exploration i'm uh i'm at the uh silver lake meadow right now i had to get out of the house i've been meaning to do this i mean like last week i wanted to do brain breathe like a week ago and i and i so I'm going to do it. And I kept being like, I'm going to do it. And then it just becomes like, well, now it's going to be late this week. That's fine. Then like, well, I might as well just do it for next weekend. You know, it just turns into that thing. I, uh, I'm i kind of between. I've moved all my stuff out of my house. It's a whole weird thing. In my It's great. It's like a good thing. They're going to like repaint things in my apartment and whatever. But I've uh, I'm crashed with my brother who lives in the same building as me, which is nice. But it's created a chaotic situation where we're all on top of each other. My other little brother left the city, which creates strange feelings of like, I'm happy for him that he doesn't feel like that great here and he's going to go someplace else. But I also feel sad because I have this, I talked to him about it, like, you know, we have this like fantasy of what being brothers could be like and the time we're going to spend together and the quality time and how we're going to push each other to feel better and be better and whatever. And we just kind of don't. You know, we isolate. We all have a little bit of this stuff in us. We spend time alone. I think we have, like, resentments and family patterns where you're, like, once you feel like you're the only one move, Like, somehow we all feel like we're the only one trying. And there's, like, this resentment and this quick little snappishness to all of us sometimes and the day-to-day. And it's just, like, you know, it just gets tiring. And you just feel, like, lonely. And I, I, it's so weird. It's, like... All the people in my family, at least these boys in my family, I feel like have our demons in our, in our, you know, we go through the world with this um, insulated, for whatever reason, I, I, I talk to them, you know, they, I think for very similar ones, like, you know, God, I'm always dancing around what I'm trying to say or trying to figure out what I'm trying to say while we're here. And I'm, <laughs> it is a time of transition. I've said this before I've said it a lot and sometimes my life returns to this which is it hurts to be alive you know <laughs> sometimes a lot of the time it kind of feels like and I know this is you know tr- you know this may be a triggering episode this may be this is a dark space and I'm gonna like try to bring light into it by talking it out I just want to acknowledge that this is a dark space to be coming from. A frustrated one and a tired one and a sad one. And 
some of it is personal. You know, I talked to um, my girlfriend who's wonderful and, and I'm working on projects right now. I should, I have plenty to look at and say like, hey, things are moving in a good direction and the only one stopping you is you and blah, blah, blah. But so much of the world and like this is pertinent to one of the questions, you know, someone someone was asking. I thought I'd kick off with this one because it's fucking me up and I don't really know uh, what kind of answer there should be to this. But someone said, you know, hypersensitive brains processing information regarding the state of the world, then working to channel this information to action rather than paralyzation is caused by deep sadness, intense anger and or feelings of helplessness discussing this like discussing this idea like how do you take being a hypersensitive brain and not be totally fucking paralyzed by the state of the world by the state of things and i i don't honestly have a good answer for this this really fucks me up the idea that there's all these fuck concentration camps that our fucking country is running like how are we not just suicide bombing at those things you know what i mean like how 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 am i not like what's happening you know, I guess because you have some part of you that's like, oh, you know, that wouldn't do anything. You know, the tools of fascism are to push good people to the point of violence because they have no alternative and then say, wow, look how violent these people are. When it's like, no, you are doing the violence. You are already killing people. You're already imprisoning people. You're already like putting them in a situation where if they do break the rules, like that is the threat of violence. If you do break the rules, then someone with a gun will come and force you into a place against your will. That's violence. And just because it's not present, they're like, well, it's not violence if you don't break the rules. It's like, well, if they're unjust rules, I don't know. And you just get down this thing. And I think what was really bogging me down and getting painful about it is some something that makes me feel better. I mean, I wouldn't be doing this podcast and not about my mental state, about the pol- politics of the world, about the, like evil that exists, the evil that exists externally and internally. My bad feelings, my bad instincts, my violent ones towards myself or other things, like any of these kind of negative stuff it helps me to talk about it and to put light in somehow that whole idea of like the best disinfectant the best bacteria uh, killer you know is sunlight that whole thing it helps me to do that but like when there's so much badness I have like two friends maybe that I can really go down this path of how bad shit is how how awful and how painful how difficult it seems to be and and to discuss the helplessness and discuss like what is the the thing we we jokingly we say this word praxis all the time you know it's a very leftist word like that's praxis is this praxis and praxis is just like it's like basically the process of learning but also the process of expressing your principles in the universe it's like the subject it basically is saying be the change you want to see in the world is i think the easiest way to to understand it and and like every little thing, when you're an artist or you're an actor or you're a creative person or whatever, just a human, I think like every little thing, the jokes you make, the the kindnesses you show, the inclusiveness you show, the, the sort of way you try to be in the world in tiny ways and attitudes and laughing at pain uh, and, and, and laughing at cruelty and like, you know, disregarding those evils and being like, fuck that person, fuck that thing. And like talking about like that feels like those are acts of not just resistance but you're building up a sense of how we agree to think about things what we will consider acceptable and enough people make jokes and feelings about it whether it's internal darkness or external i really think this can create a a mood a shift in a culture of attitudes that says when you're 
depressed and when you're feeling suicidal, when you're feeling fucked up and you're feeling like everything's hopeless, we're going to be a, a community that encourages the talking about that and the hand-holding regarding that, the, the hands that reach out and are available. And it feels that way politically also. Like, man, if you like learn about the foreign policy of this nation over the last like 100 years, the banana wars all through the, you know, all the stuff we did in South America, the early 1900s, before World War One, and then all the stuff we've done since, we're like, we've been painting to tell ourselves we're the good guy. It's so awful. And if you want to talk about that stuff and those feelings and how that persists today, people don't like it. They, they, I think what's been depressing me is this feeling that as certain really revolutionary attitudes are becoming more popular out in the world, things that seem to have the interests of people at the heart of them, normal people, you know, not in some abstract principle way of, but like just the well-being, the freedom to express yourself in a safe life where you are, you know, never going to be homeless or sick when there's the ability to fix that. Like people I would consider liberal get mad about it, don't like it. And they don't like to hear about like, well, you know, the evil foreign policy happened like the guys we all thought were good guys were doing that stuff, too. You know? The drone program and, and all the all the immigrants that fucking Obama got kicked out of this country. Nobody likes to hear about that because he's our cool president. He's our fun one. He's our diverse one. You know, you were like, no, that's impossible for that to be bad. The Cheeto guy, the fucking literal rapist in the White House, he's easy for them to dislike. But as soon as you start to go like, it's not just, it's systemic. We're, there's blood on all our hands. People don't like it. And it's weird, this like, awful feeling that puts in me it feels similar to this other stuff if you have bad feelings personally about who you are or how you are hey every day it's hard to be alive it's hard to breathe it's like hey hey my identity might <laughs> now match up with what the society here in my town or my community or my church or whatever my what that doesn't match up with what i'm supposed to be the feeling when people go like just shut up about it why are you disrupting shit for us like it's fucking it's not fine it's not that is your life bad i was saying something about like i was saying some anti-cop stuff you know some feelings about the fear and the, the of of the police of that thing of the state and someone said to me like what do you have you been afraid of? when have you were you last afraid of the police white guy you know cis hat white guy and i was like i'm afraid all the time they can do whatever the fuck they want to me and just because they haven't like, you think I can't observe that that happens to other people and be disgusted by it? And I was just like, I was thinking about that. A lot of people have that thing. Hey, it's not, uh, why would you even get mad about this? It doesn't apply to you specifically. Are you just virtue signaling? And it's like, yeah, I'm fucking virtue signaling. There's virtues. There's virtues. There's injustice. There's fucking horrible things. I'm supposed to not get upset about it because it's like not mine. It's not my domain because I'm not a victim of it. Isn't the whole point that we are all one people? And that's, I guess, that's part of where I'm getting to. It's like with the mental health stuff or the identity stuff too, of like your bad feelings that you shouldn't talk about, that you shouldn't bring up. You shouldn't, you know, the, the pressure it feels to close that up. This good vibes only thing. Just fucking tough it out. Good vibes only. We don't want to hear about that shit. 
come on. It's getting old, man. It's been years of you doing this thing. I understand going through a phase of these dark feelings, but like they keep coming back. And do you, why don't you change something? Why do you keep having these issues? Why do you keep having issues with work and well-being and, and all this? Well, why does this keep? It gets a little old, you know? And I get that. I have that kind of exhaustion with my family, with people in my family and people close to me who I feel like do nothing to try to improve their situation. And I get that frustration. I do. And then I'm like, I feel it. There's, there's this feeling of like how much worse it feels when you, when you try to open up or you try to, to put something in the open and say something you're observing that feels fucked up. And, and everyone just goes like, stop. Why are you doing this? You know, and you're like, oh, well, I just go fuck myself, I guess, you know, that that whole thing. And then it's uh, you can try to make it funny like that, make the isolation funny. The digital realm has created this whole community of isolated people like Twitter and all these things. The, the joke of our our memes about depression and suicidal feelings and wanting to be a dad and be uh, and how alone we are like the memes, the community we find through that is so fucking ironic but actually kind of useful, you know? Uh, this, this, this hand-holding, I guess, and I guess that's kind of where I'm at. I, I was reading, uh, I'm always reading things, I guess, but um, really never books, you know, never finishing the book, excerpts of books, things online, blah, blah, blah. It's consuming, constant consuming, melting my fucking brain. But some of it sticks and some of it's useful and not all of it's just trash, you know? That Doesn't that feel what it feels like when you go down the rabbit hole on the internet when you can't stop reading the feed? You're just like, this is humanity. This is, I'm consuming this. I must. This is, there's virtue in this. I need to understand. I need to see. If I just keep staring at it like a magic eye, if I just keep staring at this mass of people, maybe something will make sense to me one day. Maybe it will all click, you know? I don't know. I think that's just maybe like my 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 intellectual brain fucking justifying the the need for dopamine, the more the newness, the the need for an escape, the need the need to just run away from the possibility of self-realizing or making a choice or existing. And I feel like that might be what it is when you feel like you haven't achieved. You know all you need to do is sit down and focus and do the thing. And you're just like, well, what is the fear? Some of it's performance anxiety. I've been told when you're when you're afraid of failing, that you just you just don't do it or whatever, that kind of a thing. And I think maybe it might just be afraid of existing. That it's like every time I really focus in and become present, it's like one of two things happens. Either I'm completely overwhelmed by just the beauty and wonder and profundity of being alive. And I've been feeling that more and more with uh, some people in my life. Like um, I've noticed that like time I spend with Allie I, is feeling very alive and real. She's so positive and she's so generative and she's so like focused and ambitious about things that she cares about and she's got like a passion and belief and and love and faith and curiosity that she's just putting in the universe every fucking day and and I and I being around her and being around that is so wonderful it's like I feel like alive with her you know and um and other times I and you know and there's a weird thing that like I don't want to fuck that up I don't want to talk about bad feelings around her because I feel like I can be a drain. She's such a wonderful source for so many people in her life, in her personal life. She takes care of so many people among the time that she 
commits to creating and doing the things and engaging with the community around the things that she makes. Like she has so much space that she fills with other people and caring for them that I, that I, you know, I really like as her lover and her partner. I, I laugh when I say that because I, we we call each other that all the time, and you know, as a gross, funny thing that's just become natural. And now it's, it's very funny to say it out loud. It's very like you know, that SNL sketch in the hot tub with the chickens. But anyway, there's this feeling of like when you're around someone who's doing well, and that makes you feel good, and you don't want to fuck it up. You're like, I don't want to be my fucked up self. I don't want to, I want to like live this other thing. I want to feel this aliveness, this person who likes being in the world and is like in touch with that. It's so wonderful. And sometimes it's so nice that I get like frozen that I'm like, oh, I don't want to fuck this up. And, and I get afraid to feel how good it feels because again, it's scary to exist because when you choose to exist and engage with the universe, a lot of the time it just hurts so fucking bad. You feel every, I say this, like, this is difficulty for me at parties and stuff like that more and more, especially in entertainment around LA and stuff like that is, is, uh, so many people, I always feel like their energy is like, is like, a an open container with a little bit too much ice and liquid in it. And they're just jogging around, sloshing it out around and like clinking their glass against your glass and some of their drinks sloshes into you. And it's so hard not to empath other people's feelings and and like to see their their pain and their anger or their sadness or their desperation or their loneliness, whatever it is, you know, this like emptiness, this this hunger, this book series I like to read, the, the, the villainous force, they call it the blind God, is this like just the hunger, the consuming hunger that has is impersonal that is at the source of you know all cruelty and evil and you know the march of human capitalism and all this kind of thing this this need to uh, accumulate this fear there will be never be enough it's it's not even it's nothing about it is passionately you know cruelly sadistic in there it's like it's this impersonal need to just feed, to just consume, you know? Anyway, when you exist and you have to engage with that feeling sometimes, that sometimes the feeling that you get when you embody, when you make a choice, when you try to exist in the world, I feel like I always get, anytime I do a job where I, I feel like I've really been on and I felt good during it, I was like alive and funny and bopping other people and performing and kind of like doing this weird clown thing where you become someone else for a minute to 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 perform and you're not sure if it was good or if it was bad or if you like the character that you played when you were just being yourself quote unquote or whatever i have this like complete pan not panic um uh horrible like overwhelming feelings of like self-judgment and doubt and self-hatred and like i'm stupid and fucking what the fuck was i doing why did i do that, that happens like constantly it happens with these podcasts it happens with all this stuff and you're just like I think it has to do with this, like, I just existed for a moment. Was that me? Am I stuck with that? How embarrassing am I? I should be doing better things. I should be, I should be something else. I should be someone else. And then, uh, so that's like the trapped in the ego pain about existing. And then there's like this big empathy pain of existing of just like when it's not engaging with the wonder of the world and the beauty of this breathing thing and being part of this, you know, singular mind that is the universe that is expressed in facets by every individual you meet and every blade of grass. Like when you don't feel that connection, that kind of feeling of existence, it feels like... It just feels painful. You just feel the disconnection. You feel the lack of contact. You know, the, the lack of, 
of shared space. I'm sorry. As I'm saying this, I'm like, <laughs> I'm in one of my favorite places in LA. It's like this meadow and the breeze is good and it's overcast the way that's nice. And I love the grass here and it's so quiet here. And there's literally these two people just like hugging each other and kissing. They were just doing handstands together across the way. And I'm like me trying to talk about <laughs> how the world hurts sometimes and it's just like this stunning beauty in front of me and i think that's maybe enough of a message about that good god that's so sweet wow the sun just came out too which is fucking embarrassing to be honest um Anyway, dealing with that, how do you not feel helpless? How do you not feel paralyzed? I don't think I have a good answer. I mean, I feel like in a lot of ways I'm still stuck at the level one with this stuff, which is like, oh, fuck. Notice that you're paralyzed. Notice that you're doing something wrong. Don't stop fighting the good fight. Just try to moderate how much you, you know drain other people but also like i got in a fight with my friend about this because i was like getting mad about bernie stuff i was like hey don't be don't be like stop slow down about how leftist your rhetoric is so many people in the live we have to trick them we have to trick the other neolibs we have to trick the other people into being more leftist than they think they are the moderates and blah blah and i and i kind of like my friend got pissed and was like what the fuck are you doing this whole thing and i was like no you're right actually and i realized i wasn't mad at like the people speaking about my radical ideals of you know taking care of other people primarily primarily <laughs> I wasn't mad at that person I was mad and sad at the possibility that we'd have somebody finally saying bald face hey you know these are concentration camps and people deserve to be taken care of well and you know it's clear that corporate interests are going to be doing their best to prevent me from being elected because of the things that I stand for that you all seem to like you know this kind of thing and me being like stop doing that why are you making enemies this early and it's like no what really upsets me is the possibility that someone would say the truth and so many people would be like yeah you think we don't fucking know stop it we it's fine how it is okay we're fine with it if the bloodshed is over on the other side of the world if it's down the street if it's something we don't have to see we're fucking fine with it stop get a job <laughs> you know what I mean and I, I think I'm more upset about that, realizing, like, how many people are just fine with it. I, str I just struggle with it. I struggle with, like, the blood on my hands, you know? Like, we all have it. If you live in the first world, if you live in America, you're benefiting from it. Even if you had nothing to do with the choices, you just do. Everybody does. And how do you fucking, how do you create real systemic change? Because I don't think it's banning straws. I don't think it's like the fucking paper straws. It's like, no, you need to make, it's not just the performative, you know, that's the TSA. That's like performative security. How does change happen? And I don't know. On a personal level, I can talk about self-care. I can talk about like returning to your little practices, keeping yourself connected to things you love, re resort to your don't kill yourself list, do things to keep yourself going, to keep yourself in the fight. You just have to. Do the same thing for your friends. Reach hands out to them. Keep hands together. Keep remembering joyous reasons to be alive. Laugh together. Do things you love. Try to make the world funnier and more beautiful and brighter with the things you add to it. Try to do that for yourself and for other people. You have to. 
even if we were like absolutely already in some like we are already in some dystopian police state. What am I talking about? There's fucking concentration camps on the border. I think you have to keep trying to maintain some kind of well-being. Realize that the world is full of people like you. Iran, right? They're like trying to start a war with Iran. Most of the people in Iran are just normal people with a horrible government just like us. And that's true everywhere. Anthony Bourdain that shit. You know what I mean? I think it's Anthony Bourdain's birthday today. It's like the world is full of normal fucking people who just want to be happy, who just want to laugh together, who just want to eat together and just have a good life. As much as it's full of people who are just these piles of pain who want to control. Anyway, keep yourself in the fight. Do whatever you have to do to stay in the fight. I feel like that's like the important thing. That like life feels like this battle. And sometimes maybe you got to like back out of it for a little bit. You got to take a breather. You got to move. You got to rotate to like the, uh, the, the back lines or whatever. You know what I mean? You just got to rest. You got to rest and take care of yourself. Recognize that you don't have anything left to give. I used to do this thing about pulling all-nighters. Where it's like, I'm better now about being like, you know what? It's already 2 a.m. And the shit I've written for the last hour is trash. And I'm going to have to rewrite it all again tomorrow. So better to just sleep now and come back to it. And maybe it'll be a few hours late. But it's going to be worse if I just do it now. I'll have to redo it all anyway. It's like that. You got to recognize when you're too strung out. You got to recognize when it's too much. And you got to return to taking care of yourself, which, again, feels like bullshit because you're just like, what am I going to take care of myself when there's all this injustice in the world? There's a horrible shit going on. I'm going to do that when like just when I just toughen up and keep fucking. Yeah, I should keep hurting. I should keep hurting because it's a painful world. And I, you know what? I don't know how to disagree with that. It is a painful world. And I don't think you should ignore it. I just think on a practical level, if you're going to stay in it, and if you're going to stay well. You know, I have friends who with, you know, fighting who never fought a day in their life, never did any combat sports, and their their feeling about what they would do in a fight is like, ah, I think I'd just get mad and it'd be fine, you know? I think I think I would just, like, you'd get the adrenaline and you'd just be like, I'm good. And there's some truth to that. Sometimes the fight and the dog is worth, you know, much more than the dog and the fight. But the reality of that, for people who are trained, is that's comical, you know? The people who, who win battles and stuff, is, it's, not, it's not often, it's not usually, most of the time, the one who's like, got more grit. It's like the one who's more rested and uh, more prepared and knows what's going on, calmer, who's just like another day at the office for them. And I think we have to sort of maintain that, is try to create another day at the office for yourself. Know that the fight is something that's long, and it doesn't matter if it's a fight with depression or the fight with, uh, you know, your ADHD and shit like that, and your dreams. It doesn't matter if the fight is with injustice in the wider world. Resistance, like that idea. I saw this thread about somebody who was like their dad was like, or their grandparents were part of like this Norwegian resistance during the Nazis, you know, and. And they were saying, like, resistance looks like a lot of different things. Sometimes it's just slowing down in order that you're processing. Sometimes it's just, like, misplacing some papers, you know? And that there's, like, resistance, you know, not in the comical, like, sort of... I don't know, because some of it makes me so mad, you know? Like, I loved seeing, like, during Pride, how many people were calling out brands. Being like, fuck off, brand. You don't care about gay people. You don't care about queer people. You, you just fucking want their money right now. And now it's cool for you. And everyone's like, fuck off with that shit. So I don't know. That kind of like performative shit that's, you know, cynical and, and done from a place of bad faith. I don't know. You got to be able to sniff that out, I guess. But I also think resistance can be just being able to laugh still, you know, keeping spirits high and knowing that like 
when you witness injustice and you witness something fucked up in front of you, you're going to be the one that stands up and does it. It's going to be really uncomfortable, but you're going to be the one that stands up and stands with whoever's being victimized, which I guess gets me to the second question somebody was talking about, which was, uh, I've been thinking a lot about morality. I have a lot of difficulty empathizing with others, and that has clearly influenced my values. And, you know, I don't know, just saying how they have this feeling that everything's arbitrary, inherently meaningless, and we get to ascribe meaning and value, and, you know, witnesses her mother is incredibly selfless and spends a lot of her time probably more than necessary helping others, and just that it's a mind fuck, like, what's wrong that they don't know how to, to, to empathize and, you know, that kind of a thing. Um, I, I hesitate, I don't know, I, I, I doubt, I really don't know. Maybe there are people who have difficulty empathizing, I think more like we build up walls to prevent our ability to empathize. I have, I broadly speaking, I think I've boiled down my like sense of like what's moral because I don't think morality has anything to do with arbitrary laws about like, you know, propriety or any kind of churchy shit or whatever. Um, the way the way I uh, I've sort of organized it is um, the there's two rules. One first rule. Don't violate anybody else's sovereignty. And the second rule is uh, no one's allowed to violate yours. And I think the difficulty becomes like this idea of sovereignty, freedom, freedom to express yourself. Like you have to good faith because that that language is really co-opted by people who think if they don't want to, <laughs> if they don't agree with gay people that existing, they don't believe they exist. You know, they don't believe they they're moral then like that's free for them to say that. And that's bullshit, you know, because um, that's the intolerance paradox is what they call it is uh, in order for there to be a tolerant world, we must be intolerant of intolerance. And that is true. So people who try to repackage that uh, shit back at you are very bad faith doing that. And this idea that the left is not accepting is not. No, no, no. We don't accept non-acceptance. And I don't. That is not <laughs> fucking paradox <laughs> that's like we are not going to cross the boundary to harm somebody else you know and i understand that this is a slippery concept because the whole image of like people who are too sensitive it's like everything is is in you know crossing their boundaries and i think there has to be a real like sense of like is it what is and what isn't we have to share space together so sharing space is not the same as crossing boundaries but you have a personal bubble and you have a right, I believe, to dignity and to be who you want to be. And I also think that makes it incumbent on you to be polite and considerate of other people's uh, boundaries as well and their sense of wellness and peace. And, you know, I think that the difficulty in structuring any sort of thought process around this is that that's a dialectic thing. So it's like people might say like, oh, well, I don't like how loud and obnoxious they think people are being at pride or something like that and isn't that crossing my boundaries which then you could translate that into our thing of our mental health stuff of being like oh these people are like good vibes only if i if i talk about the difficulties i'm having in my life aren't i crossing other people's boundaries isn't that violating the first rule of sovereignty or whatever you know and i think <laughs> that in the idea of this process of not crossing other people's boundaries, the principle behind it is one of ensuring the freedom of expression and wellness uh, as a concern of other people and, and ourselves in the world. 
And so if you need that expression, if you need to express, if you are somebody hurting in our global family, then we need to be able to recognize that and say, you are not encroaching on me in this moment. You are speaking your truth. You are talking about something you need and I have space for that. And that would not be crossing your boundaries. Where on another day, if it was just performative and they just needed attention, they're just being shitty about it, then it might be, you know? But to, you can't, the law in a capitalist system of pluses and minuses and rules that are steady and static, it's very difficult to wrap our minds around this. As a spiritual concept, it's very difficult. I, this is a funny parallel, but I was on set one day a while ago. And as an actor, you're very needy a lot of the time and that weird, you know, you you very much like w- want attention and, and constant, uh, <laughs> he says, does he records his own fucking podcast about his own fucking brain? Um, y- you want people to tell you you're doing a good job of Bob and you need to check in constantly. So you just like, sometimes like make work. You like make questions up for the director, not not consciously, but just like, can you just, can you just, and one day I realized I was looking around at like all these people, dozens of people working and moving and how I'm getting late in the day and all this stuff. And I opened my mouth to ask a question and then I stopped and I was like, do I need to ask that question? I don't. I can just make a choice and try it. And if there's an issue, then someone will bring it up with me. And I think it's incumbent on us then with that sovereignty thing and the interest of making primary, not making primary no one encroaches on us, but making primary that we don't encroach on other people. Like then if that is our thing, that we don't violate other people's space and well-being, I think... I think that that that's the idea is like the violation is if, if it's in bad faith, if it's just selfish, if it's just to serve your ego, then don't do it. You're violating other people's space. But if you are in need, if you are moved by the Holy Spirit, you know what I mean? If you are having an honest uh, uh, goings on in yourself, I don't know. I always, I always said, you know, when people ask you th- for things, give it to them. You know what I mean? If someone asks for something, they probably need it. Give it to them. And if you can, obviously, not if it's like, you know, the, the last oxygen on the plane and you need some oxygen too. you're allowed to you're allowed to do that. But I do think if we if we structured a world that was focused on no giving to the other before taking for yourself, ensuring the freedom of the other before ensuring the freedom of yourself, then I, I think it'll be a better fucking world. The difficulty is it creates like a moral and psychological Mexican standoff feeling where you're just like, yeah, but then I'm really putting a lot of faith in other people and in the universe and in things. You know, and maybe it would be better if I just fucking guaranteed that I was okay. And I got a lot of guns and I got walls and I got a lot of money and I hoarded it and I kept it for me and my family and that whole thing. And that's like how you structure, that's how you structure a life. What if I just carve out a little square for me and mine and that's what I do and it's all good. The reality of that spiritually and essentially is that that will never be possible. There are earthquakes and rocks that fall out of space. It's like you will never be able to do that. And the only way I believe, like systemically, that we could ensure a better chance is if we primarily put our effort into faith in other people and caring for other people and knowing that that would make things better. And in a world that does that, you would learn that like, if you have an issue, there's this thing somebody said one time about like communities that are um, like more multi-generational and closer knit um, sort of tribal ones. Uh, I think I'm, I'm not saying that word. Uh, I'm saying literally meaning tribal. I think this had described African tribal villages that um, there's like this co-parenting that happens that when a kid 
uh, is crying or needs something, someone would pick them up and it wouldn't necessarily be their parents. They're all like raised by like, you know, it takes a village kind of thing, the idea of community and how much that's lacking in a lot of our world. I think if you had a world where we lived more communally and we knew that we put our focus on helping other people, when you needed something, just like the child who goes, ah, you would know someone would pick you up. And that is really the world I'd like to feel like exists, that I'd like to feel like I'm part of creating, that I'm trying to do with this podcast and the things that we do in our lives. And it's really fucking hard to try to do that in a system that is not that, that is like, hey, if you're not pulling your fucking, like, what are you doing? If you can't take care of yourself, what fucking good are you? And I even have those feelings in me, you know, like I have those fucking same fascist fucking feelings i'm gonna finish i'm just gonna wrap this up i'm gonna that just made me think of this crazy maybe this is part of why i've been hesitant and feeling weird because I'm, I'm so dumb and sensitive and attached to stories and figuring things out i learned some really fucked up stuff about my family this uh my my family um that is very much related to this and i'll just share this fucking story and i'll just end on this and everyone can think of it what they will and you, we'll just move on to not move on to the end of the episode and then you know we'll have more but this is the fallout this is things that's going on my mom's doing this program she's been enrolled in for about a year or so it's uh, to become a teacher of this kind of violence healing work um trauma healing work she's write, writing book on a book on nonviolence, and she's just always, my mom's an inspiring person my mom's mother was german and uh uh she died my mom's mother was murdered when she was very young when my mom was very young when my mom was you know 12 or 9 or 12 something in that area and um she was german from germany and my mom would go back and forth between here and germany uh when she was a kid and um I found out that my Oma, who I met, which is my grand, my great-grandmother, so my grandmother who's, di- who's died, her mother, um, her husband, and, uh, and, her, and her mother. So her husband and her husband's mother-in-law are the important characters in this story, okay? M- my great-great-grandma, the mother-in-law, she was uh, part of... Um, she was an academic, a humanist. Uh, they, my mother said that she was, you know legendarily like the first woman in their town to drive a car the first woman to smoke a cigar in public scandalous stuff whatever and uh in germany you know prior to world war ii like doing this thing and when world war ii starts and these fucking nazis are doing what they're doing um she was like hiding people in the attic you know unwanted people by the state people who would being would be killed uh by the state and uh, in this family dynamic uh my I guess great grandfather. Um, he came from a, a wealthy family who uh, was like a wine manufacturer between like somewhere Germany and France, and he was a fucking SS officer. You know, the worst of the worst, the true believers in the Nazi fascist evil shit. And he was fighting in the war and doing all that stuff. And at some point, he gets rotated back home off the front lines as the end of the war is getting nearer, and. I guess just the way things are, there's this big family home that everybody lived in, which was this big three-story house that I think they still have, or maybe they just sold it. I don't, I don't know, because my great-grandmother died uh, a few years back, and I don't know how that all panned out. But uh, he comes home and lives in the same house as his uh, wife, my great-grandmother, and my great-great-grandmother, his mother-in-law. And he finds out that she's hiding people in the house and been doing this 
And he fucking gets her sent to a camp. <laughs> so he kills her, you know? Now, my mom corrected me. I was like, he fucking killed his mother-in-law. And my, my mom corrected me and said, well, she lived. She got liberated. The war ended. She got liberated. And she didn't die. But he didn't know that that would happen. So he killed her. Do you know what I mean? Attempted murder. Like, his actions were as much something to kill her as as they could be, you know? So, I guess what ends up happening, making this even fucking crazier, is they live in the same house. They just keep living in the same house. The Nazi and the uh, humanist academic mother-in-law that he sent to a fucking concentration camp. Not not uh, 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 something that anybody would debate about. The one that they say, no, those are the real ones, okay? Which, P.S., they're real now, all right? That's what they are. That's what a concentration camp is. That's what it is, all right? Concent- that's what it is. So, they live in the same house. He continues uh, to drink more and more and more and ends up a few years later. My mom says maybe 1950 or 1953. He fucking uh, uh, kills himself. He, he drives a car into a tree and, um, you know, drunk, drunk on wine. So my grandmother, who ended up dying also of um, horrible circumstances, uh, unsolved murder. Um, it's just crazy to think two generations in a row there were these women, my mom and then her mother, who had a parent die very young of these kind of dark circumstances. And I was just getting so emotional to the story, learning about like this weird, I think, you know, I know trauma's passed down, whether it's because you've learned how it affects how you parent or because of epigenetic reasons. You suffer some horrible trauma, it changes your genes and you pass those on. Your gene expression, I should say. Uh, I just know that this trauma is inherited. And I was like, fuck, I totally get this because I feel like inside myself I have the... Uh, the first woman in town to smoke a cigar and drive a car who hides people in the attic. And I feel like I also have the alcoholic SS officer who's, who murders his own mother-in-law. I feel like they just both live in me and they fight about my brain and, and my well-being and other people and how to be in the world. And, and, I, and I think that that, <clears throat> that exists in me and that's hard to negotiate between the sensitivity and the compassion and then ah fuck off and you know what actually the law of the the world is one of cruelty and power and that's it and who the fuck are you and what are you doing and then you know bitch up and get out of here and like fucking fix it and be better and other people should do that too and then the other and <laughs> and then like the real heart of me and what feels like the voice of god and love being like oh that's not true haha <laughs> yeah no people are fucking it up stop acting like bacteria you guys You've raised out of awareness in the consciousness. You're allowed to just like create a, a world of prosperity and, and love and good vibes only, man. Um, my mom also told me that um, she was like fucking really mistreated uh, as a young kid. She was, you know, I, you know, I guess it runs in our family that we we have a little extra weight on us when we're kids when we're um, especially those puberty years and she said they used to, to call her disgusting and just that she was so fat and she's disgusting and she should go like live with dogs and stuff like that when she was in Germany as a child and that like makes you want to fucking hurt someone you know what I mean like how could anybody fucking act that way to anybody much less a child 
And I was like, that's so crazy, you know, in terms of the passing stuff on. My my mom and them, they, they never said anything mean to me about my weight or my body or, or anything like that. And they were always pretty encouraging. There was some disappointment for sure uh, that felt very type A about, um, you know, grades and achievement and quitting and things like that that fucked me up a little bit, feeling judged and valued based on external things instead of some essential whatever. But... They never said any of that sort of cruel shit to me, but somehow I fucking hated myself, uh, hate my body. I still have like weird dysmorphia issues and things. Uh, who doesn't? Who doesn't? That's not a big deal. Part of that's a negotiation of the difficulty of the vessel. And is this me? Is this not? What the hell is this? What does it mean? What does it say about me? Does it say anything about me? Why does my brain fuck me up like this? Why does my body do this thing or that thing? Ah, uh, maybe if that were better, I would be better in the world and people would like me more and I'd be more successful and things would be fine. <laughs> you know? Uh, the struggle with the body, the vessel. Um, but I do know around that same age that she told me that she was going to abuse. That's when it kicked in for me, this toxic shame, this knowledge that I was just a bad thing in the world, this thing that became the struggle to face uh, forever. And um, how weird that was to hear her talk about this, these things I didn't know, and be like, yeah, I got that. And thank you for trying to work it out. She's calling to apologize to me and say, like, because I was the firstborn and she was so young and she didn't really know what she was doing that she thinks she she put a lot of that on me. And I appreciated that. Um, and it feels like a little bit like we are doing the work. And I guess this has to do with that, like, is this praxis kind of thing? Is, like, are the jokes we make? Is just the negotiating with our people around us about what makes us tick and what can make us feel better and how we can make other people feel better? Is that helpful? Is that good? What, what is that in the face of the increasing homeless camps and like me with no space to offer anybody and no money and no things to offer them, no, no ability to change it? Like what, what do we do? And is it, does it matter to like just try to work out these traumas? And I, I think it does because I really think with people who make all the awful decisions and vote to go along with it and think things don't matter and think things just are how they are and they're they're good enough now and maybe people should just take care of themselves. All those kinds of thoughts are ones that start as like a feeling you have that you learned early in your life from like the traumas you have, the assumptions you have about the universe. And so facing these things, facing our depression and facing our trauma and facing our fuck-ups and our judgments and all these things, like... I think is essential trying to keep a sense of humor about it being able to laugh at horror uh, you know as a as a response instead of just like completely crumbling in the face of it or being hor horrific back Th this is I don't know this is the work I think of making the world better it's you know Marianne Williamson this funny this like spiritual guru lady who's put herself in the ring I love that she's doing it and I can't wait to see her in debates because I love somebody out there who wants to talk about consciousness who wants to be like because I think that's fucking true. You know, in a society that's like capitalist, it's like, okay, we'll grow up and blah, blah, blah. But it's like, no, 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 no. This is what we're trying to do is grow up. Is say like it's childish to think that there's not enough and that the answer to things is just get a job and blah, 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 blah. When that stuff's not available and we have enough for everybody. It's childish to think that. And it's not childish to say, let's think about our consciousness and what we're worried about and what we want the world to look like, you know? Let's negotiate with the trauma inside of ourselves and the horrible people that we come from and the good people that we come from and the sort of like things we've inherited and how we put those forward in the world or not. How do we change? Anyway, I've been on one and I've been dealing with some weird fucking feelings and I noticed myself retreating from the world again and I know when it's hard for me to put these things out, these podcasts, it becomes, it's just, that's why, you know.
Anyway, so that's dirty secrets about my family. I learned that's some. I don't even know if they're secrets. I mean, for any forthcoming, I just didn't know. Somehow, must be a secret if I make it to my fucking thirties and never learn that about my two generations back. You know, but things are all murky there because of our disconnection from it because of my grandmother's death and all that. Anyway, um, I'm gonna let this one lie now. And I hope uh, I've given you some stuff to think about. I'll just say that um, I'm doing my best to return to my self-care practices, making lists about habits to check off, uh, doing exercise again. Definitely, I, I hurt my body in a couple ways that's kept me from jujitsu and some practices. And that always fucks my head a little bit um, because of, like I said, the body dysmorphia stuff and also the difficulty I have about existing or not. And, you know, sometimes the only thing that saves me and a thing that I put too much value in is my body's ability to move and express itself and to exist there. And when that starts to go away from me, I start to get really bogged down and weird and, and dark about my headspace. So that's not good because... I've found no matter how I have been injured in my life, there's always a way to find play in existence and be grateful about the things I have. I think about this, I think it's Ingrid Michaelson maybe, or I don't know, there's a, there's a, there's a quote from a song. I think it's not her. I don't know, but it goes, no, it's Regina Spector, I believe. And she goes, uh, I've got the perfect body because my eyelashes catch my sweat. And I think about that all the time that like, just the fucking Fiona Apple, the extraordinary machine that I am and that you are and that this existence is, it's hard to get away from that. And so I'm trying to like put the music in my life that <laughs> reassures me of this kind of beauty. Dude, I was in a fucking car the other day and uh, Cranberries came on and I think it was like zombie or something. I don't know. But some cranberry song and it was just so fucking good and beautiful and i and i was just felt so nostalgic and i felt like i could have just wept there listening to it and uh that that you know i'm in a watery place i've just been in a watery place and that's all good and that's fine um (laughs) i wish you well out there and you know the people who reach out hands to say that this shit means something to them thank you i want to say that means shit to me too so much Sometimes I just don't know how to exist or interact, and and I, I don't know. I've never been good at engaging with that sort of kindness with strangers, and I'm doing my best. I'm doing my best, and uh, thank you for being part of this. I'm going to wrap this uh, brain breather up for today. It felt good to talk out loud about this and to record it and to know I'm going to put it out in the universe. And just, this is the struggle, you know, I don't know what the work is I'm doing in the world. I write things. I still like, just like to tell stories. I like to make jokes. I like the form of those things, but I, you know, theater was my first love in art in a weird way. And theater is really rooted in ritual and, and, uh, religion basically. And uh, spiritual practices. And I think it has more in common with that than any other kind of just like craft that we want to call it. And I think most art is. But especially this. And that when you go on stage and you behave as somebody else, you act like somebody else. Or you act like yourself. I think that's the big secret is you're really showing yourself an aspect of you as a member of, as a representative, an avatar of our shared humanity. And that's what encourages you and makes you go up and do it. So the illness is not with the ego. It is with an obsession of what it means to be human. And what other people go through and who they are and why they are and how we all are. And maybe when you go up there and you are this sacrificial thing up there, you are 
dissolving yourself to be another thing in front of other people, half of whom will hate it, half of whom will like it, half of whom will feel indifferent, and that is three halves, and that's all good. <laughs> you know, that this, you become, you sacrifice yourself, I guess, you, and not in some self-aggrandizing way, you just dissolve up there for the good of the collective, I guess, and I, good is maybe the wrong word, for the for the perusal of the collective for the consideration of them. And uh, I don't know, I think that's why art's important. And I think why this is important and what I've come to recognize some of this as. Is this praxis? As like just trying to sacrifice myself up there, immolate myself uh, with the, the honesty of my struggle and my experience, you know? And I hope that uh, it encourages people out there to do the same because I think only in this sort of honesty, uh, this uncovering, will we move forward together into a better world where we care for each other and care for ourselves and can all fucking feel good or feel true. <sighs> all right, thank you. Big, big love, you know? I, I love, I feel big love, I guess. Maybe not in the acute, happy, fluffy, yeah, I just feel good right now. I feel a little like weird and uncomfortable and unsure right now. Um, but this is the reality of it. Uh, this is the reality of it. I got a bad brain. Thanks, y'all. Bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 